Hey, this is Brock Otterbacher from Mondo. You're listening to the Master of One Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Master of One Podcast, the podcast that's so fast, if you blink, you just might miss it. In this episode, we talk about Eminent Domain, Mission Impossible Fallout, and Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm Andrew, your master of art and design. I'm Patrick, your master of television and film. And I'm Luke, your master of toys and games. So get yourself ready for the final countdown, because it's time to start. Guess who's back? episode off by going around the table which is where we talk about something new fun and noteworthy about our weeks and this week we have a new guest on the show luke. uh <laughs> <laughs> um ladies and gentlemen welcome luke gall back to the <laughs> show well played, well played, well played. during the uh uh we usually when i say this is patrick master of television and film i wanted to like end it like i wanted yeah. to do your master of television and film right and it was hard to remember like it's you only, had to change the inflection. Yeah, it's only been yeah. six episodes, well, but it already felt weird. Yeah. And on the last the last episode, Patrick went at the end, he said, <laughs> he, what did he say? He said, um, and I'm Pat he said, I'm Patrick, and I'm Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear that. Because <laughs> he realized there was no one on the tail end of that to finish that sentence. Yep. Anyway, um, Luke, tell us what's happened over the year last of the month. <laughs> Uh, well, computer problems. Uh, so like my monitor died and, uh, I, I thought, so it was just, it was a mess of messes is really what happened. I, it, it broke. My monitor is dead, will not turn on. And so I like, I needed to get a monitor. And so I found a deal to buy just just to buy one because I wasn't even going to mess with like trying to fix it because I, you know, I didn't know what was wrong with it. Uh, and I, I found a deal, something I could afford, fell through, like went back and forth with somebody. It fell through ultimately. And so I was just done and everything else I could find was just out of my price range of what I could afford. Um, and so I decided, all right, I'll try and fix it. You know, I looked up common problems of what happens to the monitor, like my monitor specifically, the LG I had of like when it dies. And uh, a lot of the info was like, it's, it's usually this chip. If it's not this chip, it's a logic board. So try, you know, try that. So I ordered the, the chip off eBay from a company that sells them all the time, even has instructions on how to like replace it yourself. Got it. Didn't fix it. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll just buy a logic board. They sell a logic board. Well, I look at the listing again, and um, they sell a repair service. Now, here's the problem. The repair service is uh, only if it hasn't been tampered with, meaning hasn't been attempted to be fixed already by the, by the chip that they sell you. <laughs> um, so That's garbage. I know. It's terrible. So I, I sent them a message and said, hey, I bought this chip from you thinking it might fix. It didn't. Can I buy the service to fix it? it or will it be automatic? Because it says in their listing, your service will be refused if the board comes in and, and shows signs of repair. And I said, well, will I get refused when I send it to you? And they're like, it's hard to tell. We just have to see it first. It's like, whatever. So I haven't done anything with that. But since then, I've found another deal. And so I have a monitor. And so now I'm back. Um, and it was a saga of just, it was just, it took forever. Like just the part, the original part I ordered took forever to come in. And then it was another like week of like, I need to budget to actually spend a little bit more money and get a monitor. And so it just, it was time. And, uh, but that's, that is why I have been gone. Uh, while being gone, uh, when you aren't podcasting, uh, you listen to podcasts 
to fill the time. And so I started listening to a new podcast. Um, do you guys know who Aaron uh, Menke is? No idea. Okay. So I vaguely know that name, but I don't he know does. Why. He does a very, very popular podcast and TV series called Lore. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. but yep. he has a new podcast, uh, new as in the last like month and a half, maybe. Uh, called Cabinet of Curiosities. And so I started listening to it. There's like nine out right now. Uh, Ten, actually. Ten out right now. And um, they're like 15 minutes. And basically the idea is he takes all of this uh, information, all of these stories and and weird things that don't quite fit lore. Um, and he just does two two things that have like similar, like a similar theme. Uh, he'll He'll talk about two weird stories from history. Um, he doesn't go into a lot of detail. He kind of gives you like, here's what this is. If you want to find out more, you know, obviously you can look it up. Um, but he talks about like just weird stuff that has happened. And it, you know, the episodes are like 15 minutes and it's his voice, which is, I mean, he's got a great voice for podcasting. Um, and they're interesting. They're weird and they're they're I mean that the idea of a cabinet of curiosities is all the the things that just don't quite fit the norm. You put it in a, you know, a cabinet, it's like it's like all the weird stuff. And so all these stories are just all the weird stuff. Like there was um one of the latest ones in France, uh a farmer found a chamber underneath his field uh filled with relics and um different things from like the last four centuries. And there, there was stuff from like early 14th century all the way up to like the 17th century. And nobody knows, like there have been like archeologists and, and, uh, um, Oh, I can't think of the name of the person that studies people. What's the, what's the study? Peopleontologists. of Nope. Uh, anthropologists. Anth yeah. There have been anthropologists and, and different people have come in and, and nobody can really, nobody really knows like where all this stuff came from or why somebody like who would it, it have been oh, that so it's like, just was storing all this a stuff. A mystery bunker. Yeah. And it's just this, it's crazy. Uh, and it's just like weird stories like that where he tells you like what it is and gives you like a little bit of information, but no, like here's what is happening now. Like all he would say is, and and still nobody knows what it's all about. And and it's all it's stuff like that. Like there was a another one was the story of this um, this guy who was a pilot and he was staying out of town in a hotel room um, and he was going for a flight and he never came back. His his clothes were in the hotel room like uh, like all his stuff was in the hotel room. Now, the weird part is he called and uh, tried to call his home and leave, uh, like, to talk to his family from the hotel room. And the operator noted that uh, he couldn't get a hold of the family, but he said, I'm just going to carry out my plan anyway. Hung up the phone, and um, nobody has heard of well, where, heard from him where or was seen the hotel? him. It was in a, he was out of town. It was in another town. But um, so we don't know what state it was in. I can't remember. He does say it, but I can't remember. So what do you where think he did? Well, I don't know, but here's the mystery. Here's the weird part. The timing oh, that wasn't of the, the call. Weird part. No, the timing no. of the call was took place after he had already been reported missing by his family. Well, that makes they sense. They should have left someone at the house. He's, he's already missing. Like my guess would be he no, would no, get, no. he went not, missing. Not like at the same time. Like they they well, it wasn't like they were out looking for him and he tried to call. It was like seemingly like days later. They, right, which would make sense why he's in a hotel. He's he's no, missing. He, he called like the night he tried to call the night before like it's like he time traveled is the idea. Okay. So you're just doing a bad job of reading. But he did. That's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm that trying to like, because in my mind, that makes sense. Oh, he, he leaves. 
He, they don't know where he's at, so they report him missing. And then he tries to call them from a hotel room. Obviously, he's in a hotel room because he's not home. No, no, they knew he was gone. Like, they knew he was out of town traveling. Okay. He was out it, of time, time traveling? Tra- exactly, right. That, so that's the weird part. Like, that's the... So there's more stories like that, obviously. Wait, but what plan do you think? It's way better than me. Wait, the plan he was carrying out was time travel. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I have no idea. Is that that's, the implication? So that's the thing. He, he gives you these stories and, and then doesn't give you, like, any of the resolution. This sounds like a frustrating podcast. The, it's, it's great. It's a great podcast. It's 15 minutes. Like, each episode is 15 minutes. It's so good. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, it's, it is definitely creepy. Like, I've listened. I, like, the way he produces it is also. It like, seems yes. disrespectful. He obviously produces it with, with, a, with a drive to be, like, Unsolved Mysteries, that old right. show. Yeah, and that it fits feels in with like lore. That. It fits in with his brand. But it's, uh, man, it's really good. I like it. It's, I like that those weird ideas and the stuff that's like, what? That's so funny to me because you hate, you would hate that in real life. But it's not creepy. <laughs> like it's, it's not, it's not like horror themed and it's not like scare no, but you. Just in ge- things that cause unease you typically don't like. That's not true. I like that stuff. I don't like okay. scary things. Well, next time I'm going to make you as uneasy. <laughs> I'm going to unease the crap out of you. <laughs> Deal. Uh, when we're in Portland, be prepared for the uneasiest uh, <laughs> three days of your entire life. Okay, fair. fair You're going to love it. All right. Do you know how uneasy ghosts are? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, I don't like that stuff. That's not what I like. Yeah. Whatever. You done did it. I did, I did it myself. Uh, you know, there's other stuff. I've been playing a whole lot of board games. Uh, Gen Con's coming up next week. I'm excited about that. Yeah, you're going, correct? Of, I'm going. I'm going to. Have you Gen played Con. Caper yet? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it, listen, I have to. <laughs> Seems like that would have been a good place to just. <laughs> no, <laughs> keep I'll, going. <laughs> I'll t- I'll tell you more. Here's the. Okay. I have a problem with Caper, and okay, the game is beautiful, but I think there's a little bit of disparity between the rule book. And the design, and then also a little bit. I, I think it's. It looks easy. It looks more accessible than the rules actually are. Yeah, and the rules are are written poorly. <laughs> like, well, it was adapted from a French game, so maybe well, that's the. It, and I, it's just I. I think I think if I had to guess what happened, there was terminology shift while they were making the rules, and some of the terminology ne- it never got unified across the rule set because they reference sets and then they reference groups and then they reference and like it's hard to tell what's a set and what is a like when they say are sets, they different what are things they or are about? they the same thing exactly um hmm. okay so it's it's really hard to play at least for somebody like me who is very much a rule follower and wants to know how to play it the right way it's hard to know if i'm actually playing it right because uh, I don't know what they mean when they say things. And then they and reference colors, like some cards reference blue, and then some cards reference teal, but it's the same color. Mm. Yeah. So, well, so I wonder how much of this stuff will be addressed once the game goes live for everybody. It will be addressed like on an FAQ, like on caper.com. Right. Slash FAQ and I imagine kind of that's deal. what's going to happen, but I'm definitely going to ask, Kyle and Maddox about it at Gen Con and see what they say. Yeah. Um, but that's been really hard to f- even figure out any kind of like review of it because I don't know exactly if I'm playing it right or not. So, yeah. well, um, but it looks great and it's a really fun idea. Uh, it's just really confusing uh, to know if you're playing it right for sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, board games are good. I'm going to go play some board games. Uh Andrew. Okay. Um, uh, a lot has gone down over the last week for me. Um, not all of it fun. Uh, going through, going through some, uh, home ownership issues right now. And I have OCD and when people don't come out to fix stuff like right away and just leave your house with holes in it, that messes with your OCD big time. And so I'm just trying to distract myself from the anxiety that I feel from being out of control of things. 
uh, within my own house. But uh, one of the ways in which I'm able to do that now is I got a game that I backed on Kickstarter last year. I think it was October or so, October, November. I finally got in hand Dragoon. Oh, nice. Oh, man. Dude, I saw it at Origins. It looks great. So I have it right here. Um, These are the two. So I I kickstarted it. Uh, They they reopened it on Kickstarter because they were they they updated the the base game but they also like the look and feel of the base game but they also added an expansion. So these are the two here's the ba- the base game and then here's the expansion. But um I was able to uh, also get the box of holding which is this right here. So it's it's both of them. It's right. its own box right. with some nice spot UV uh areas yeah, the and title stuff. treatment. But it's a yeah, but it's a box that holds all of it, and it has, like, the foam inserts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it is so much fun. Like, this game is it's a little bit of strategy, mm-hmm. a little bit of luck, um, and a lot of bit of uh, screwing people over. Right. <laughs> That's really what it is. So you've got this uh, – here's a quick rundown of the game. You've got this mat uh, – or this this – this world you are dragons it's a two to four player game with the base game the 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 expansion adds a barbarian and uh somebody else rogue a rogue and a barbarian to make it up to six people yeah um that you can play but um you are dragons in the base game the original game and you have lived in this world on this on this land uh, in this territory for a long time, and now people are starting to come and populate it, and that that makes you mad. So you're going to try to claim these um, these cities and these these ta- uh, these villages. They start off as villages, and then they turn into cities. And the way that you populate the 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 whole world is is laid out in a grid, and the way that you populate it is super cool. You roll dice, and it gives you the quadrants, and you just put it there. I think the if way you, roll the dice, you populate populate our world is super cool. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> That's deep. Thanks. Um, yeah. Uh, and if you roll, if you roll a dice, I mean, and hopefully. it and it gives you the quadrants where there is already a village. Yeah. You flip that tile over, and now it's a city. So Ooh. it's worth more when you claim it. You go around as dragons, and you try to claim these lands, um, and you try to destroy other people's lands um, and various things. And then there's a tribute phase where you get points at the end of every round in the tribute phase based on how many places you've claimed and there's various things. But even if you've claimed like 12, well, you can't claim 12 because you can only claim up to nine. Let's say you claim all nine of your territories, right? Yep. There's still the variable because during the tribute phase, you only get points based on the roll. So if you roll a one, you get zero points and you have to remove one of the claims from your board. That's not nice. If you and you get no points for any of the other ones either. If you roll a two, you get zero points. Nothing bad happens other than you get no right. points. A three, four, or five gets you one point for villages and three points per city. And if you roll a six, you get a bonus. So you get two for villages and four for cities. Um, so anyway, like you could be in the lead. You could have the most hair. You could have done a really good job dispersing claims all over the board and still lose to somebody who has two because you keep rolling poorly. Wow. There are cards that help you throw, uh, help you throw rents or wrenches into things that give you, um, uh, there's like offense cards and defense cards that will help you do things. It's really, really fun. Pretty simple to pick up. I mean, we played with Cooper. Um, he's eight and he, he understood it pretty well. We had to help him a couple times with strategy. You've had the game about but, two um, weeks, right? No, it came. What's today? It came Tuesday. It came two days oh, wow. ago. So you, you've played it a bit in the last couple of days. I played it the first day we got it, and I played it the second day we had it. So I played it the the two days that I've owned it. Um, Shandra won the first night, and I won the second night. Uh, so it's good. It's it's a really really good game, and the design is is on point. The board is fabric, like it's a it's a fabric mat. Um, it comes with all sorts of like uh, like little canvas bags to hold all the things in, which is a little tricky. It's maybe a little bit kitschy and not quite functional because when you're trying to jam these things into the foam inserts, I might ditch the canvas bags and just put them in like plastic bags, right? Like the zip plastic bags because I think um, so. Wait, it'll it'll actually hold in there. Let me better. ask you a question: Do you like uh, the aesthetic of let's say the boxes? So I'll go and tell you when I saw them. 
everything's great. They're they're consistent. Like there's an obvious style that's carried through all the elements, but I didn't find it very interesting. It doesn't tell you anything about the game. Is that is that what you mean? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think because of the the tones of everything, like it's a um, a bit of a flat aesthetic and color, that it just didn't make me very excited for the game. Um, I I can maybe understand what you're saying, but this design does get me. The design is what first drew me okay. to the game. Anyway, does it have so the I'm, metallic pieces? There are no. I didn't get the the metal variant. Okay. I got the uh, I got the base game, but they did come because their like production was behind by like a month or two because of some issues over there, uh, overseas. They did come. I'll just take it out and I'll show you. Um, they sent with everybody, not just the regular dragons, the little wingling dragons. Um, that's a Trogdor reference. Anybody? Oh no? yeah, that's, okay. that's no. Trogdor but reference. hey, Trogdor the board game is coming. I know. Do you back so it? They sent, so I have not backed it yet because I'm still Wait, waiting for some more games to come Wait, it's actually done by the studio in. that is responsible for Trogdor? Yes. Oh, yeah. Dude, they did a whole, like, Homestar, like, promo episode with it for their Kickstarter Did page. you see the video of the playthrough? Go. Yeah. With the uh, with the creator? It's a little, yeah. It's a little bit, this game is a little bit like that, honestly. Sure. Um, so here's the, here's, here's like, a the yellow dragon. Yeah. Let's see if I can get it to, like, the main, or, like, the... It's that style is so but, good. But then, so they sent everybody as a bonus for, for waiting extra. They sent everybody variations with um, a translucent color oh. of each of the dragons as well. So That's cool. Um, it's really fun. It's not available yet for, maybe it is. Maybe it is available for retail now. I think you but, can get uh, it at cons. I don't, yeah, I don't know about retail. So, um, but Dragoon. Go go get it. If it's a good addition to your to your shelf. Did you back their uh, other game, Human Era? I didn't back Human Era. You know, you want to know why I didn't back Human Era? Yes. Because I, I too many games hadn't gotten this game yet. Oh right. And I wasn't sure how they how well they do games. Sure. You know what I mean? Yep. So well, uh, I they hadn't it. been tried. It should true. be here soon. Soon. Yeah. Well, what the heck? Why did mine just come and they did this like way before human? Well, era? I think they just had a problem with yours. You know what I mean? But that's true. Yeah. Anyway, Dragoon, uh, there'll be a link to it in the show notes, but uh, it's by Lay Waste Games. Should have said that. And then uh, other than that, there's something. Maybe I'll hold off on it. I'll hold off on it and maybe bring it as my category next week. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, Dragoon. It, it's, it feels really good. I'm also really excited because I've been waiting for this game for upwards of eight or nine months. Yeah. So the anticipation for this is... Yeah. Uh, I think Dragoon was one of the first games that I bought on Kickstarter it, as part of this new wave of purchasing games. Like, I oh. bought... I backed a couple games. And then waited forever. And they were card games. Right. Yeah. Um, like, Can't Be Creatures and stuff like that. I backed, like, a handful of, like, card games. And then I didn't do any for a while and i think dragoon was the one that i saw that got me started and now i have like i think i have nine or ten board games in the hopper um for the next several months i should be getting a a steady shipment from kickstarter nice <laughs> so anyway uh patrick round the round the bases. that's right so actually uh seen a lot of films this week but i'm gonna talk one now and talk one more when we do our master ca- master categories uh, this one, Death of Stalin. So this is a film I know, Andrew, you've seen. Luke, have you had a chance to see the film yet? I haven't seen a movie in a decade. Oh, yeah. I thought <laughs> I got confused for a second. Uh, that's right. You haven't seen a movie in three <laughs> weeks is what you said, which yep. is roughly about a decade. <laughs> roughly a decade. Yeah. In dog years. <laughs> about right, the same. My math is bad. So um, Death of Stalin is a uh, dark comedy that features a lot of people you'll know and a lot of people you won't know. I think some of the the better known names are going to be Jeffrey Tambor, Steve uh, Buscemi, um, uh, Justin Edwards. And then there's some lesser known, known names as well. The idea is that um, Stalin dies early in the film and the rest of the film is, is spent with people trying to kind of decide the appropriate way to react, you know, reacting in the way that, would appease Stalin versus the way that would appease maybe, you know, it's best for themselves or maybe the, what the people want, although not really. 
And also, yeah. are we making decisions that like what if? Because initially, there's you know there's some uh, confusion about whether Stalin is dead or not dead. So are we making decisions that if he comes back, he's gonna like feel like we tried to move in too soon? And so the whole movie is is that it's it's like this debate and in questioning and. You know, you have the whole thing is a political. You get to see in action a political shift, right? I mean, imagining an incredibly uh, oppressive regime, the regime that has no problem, uh, you know, killing and I was going to say in worse. There's not really worse than that. Killing would be pretty (laughs) final, but but killing anybody that that differs in any way to to what they decide, you know, it's kind of killing at a whim. And so, and everybody is subject to that level of of uh, threat and scrutiny. And so, even the people that are a part of the central council. And so, um, so, but from that is the the comedic part of it, uh, which is kind of seeing these people that are supposed to be responsible for this country and responsible for carrying forth this ideology, who are really concerned only about themselves, but can't appear that way for fear of, you know, falling to the gun. And um, it's uh, just a, I loved the film. I, I thought it was hilarious. It, there's, there aren't many parts that I would say are, um, you know, like a laugh out loud type thing. I think you're kind of barraged with subtle uh, funny moments for the entirety of the film. And, it, and it's unrelenting in these quick, small jabs consistently but there's not necessarily like huge funny moments so that's something to know going into the film it is very dark i mean the subject matter is about um everything that you would imagine from a regime that steals rapes and murders i mean it's it's that type of material so it's very dark material um but again i i thought the way it was handled by the cast was um Man, I just I thought it was hilarious. I really enjoyed the film. Andrew, I know that you feel very differently about it. No, I wouldn't say I feel very differently. I'm just I'm much more So we didn't watch this together. I right. watched this a couple of weeks ago by myself um while Shandra was gone. Um so admittedly I I maybe was in a different frame of mind. Um but I didn't find it very laugh out loud funny. There were a couple of amusing moments to me, but I was anticipating it being funnier, more more in uh, more in your face funny. It was much more of a dry comedy, mm. and I just wasn't I wasn't anticipating the style of comedy. I should have. I mean, but I, but if I really look at it, it makes sense for it to be that way. Um, most like people depicting Russians. It's going to be dry comedy because of the way that it's so deadpan. I love the you know fact I mean? that most of the people depicting Russians didn't even put on an accent for the film. No. And, and that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, that's – I mean, I think you said it perfectly. That that communicates the, the uh, amount of attention that they gave to making this feel real, right? They didn't. It wasn't intended to feel real. It was totally satirical in, in, from the way that I, you know, viewed it. There was a handful of standout moments for me. Um, and when you see the film, if you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking about right away. But the line when there's the, (laughs) someone wants to talk to, to somebody in line during the actual funeral procession. And so they try to maneuver their way. And they said, let's just pretend like it's part of the, just pretend like it's part of the ceremony. And then he moves over and the guy who he's trying to come to is like, yeah, what the f are you doing? You know, like, and I know that sounds stupid. It's really funny in the moment that that part is actually very, very funny. But I think I was just anticipating more from it. Um, I don't know. I would watch it again. Maybe I'd watch a handful of parts again because I thought those parts were were clever and the way they were delivered was good. But other than that, yeah, I mean, it was just okay for me. Yeah. So um, again, if you're okay with the idea of evil being funny, then uh, I. I, and you like satire, and you like um, it is definitely a, I, I would say probably a bit um, wittier comedy in the sense that like Stalin never butt chugs and then blows that out on someone's face. It's not like it's not like that type of comedy. <laughs> this is going to be <laughs> this is a different style. But if you're okay not are seeing you, that, are you questioning? 
Is that is that, that cock blockers? That is literally called? cock blockers. Yes. So I've never seen that movie, blockers. but I knew exactly I what called, you were talking like, about. Chicken blockers. emoticon blockers. Um, um, okay. Yes. So the it's funny that it's funny that you brought that up. Just give it like when it circles around to my category, you'll know why that was funny. Yeah. But just keep going. So as long as you're okay with not seeing that, um, and again something that is. More of a sophisticated yes, humor. Yes, and it's kind of funny in, in all of these small doses, like, will overwhelm you over time. Then uh, go check out Death Stone. I, I really enjoyed the film. And it's available now on iTunes. You can rent it for, like, six bucks. And I'm sure if you give it another month or whatever, you can probably catch it on Netflix. But, yep. I'll tell you what. I have a whole this, – this contributed to it as well as watching the entire series of Boardwalk Empire. I have a wholly new respect for – um, Steve Buscemi. That guy is actually an actor. Yeah, he's great. And uh, I, I'm like I I love him. Like yeah. I I always considered him as one of the background character actors in Adam Sandler's movies, um, which is what I mean. I came to know him through anyway. Sure. But he's actually he actually has some depth and some range and uh, is a really really talented dude. I really you know, like him. I would I would like to sit next to him on a plane and just chat him up for a little I bit. I had that thought but about his hair specifically. I was really impressed what they did with his you hair. You want to sit next to his hair on a plane and chat it up? No, I, I was really gross. impressed what they did with his hair in this film. You know, uh, one other thought. Jeffrey Tambor basically plays George Sr. from yeah, I mean, he's like basically George Senior. Well, he, he play, so he plays George Senior from season four, the first half of the movie, and then he transitions to George Senior. Oh, there is like the switch one that flips. Three. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you know Arrested Development and you've seen this movie, that will all make sense to you, and you'll be like, Andrew is such a good connector. Oh, I love things. him. <laughs> no one will think that. All right, so that's it for me. Okay, well then that's it for the around the table. Up next, they're going to talk about some master categories. Each week, our master categories when we get to talk about the tokens we drew the week before, but that didn't happen last week. No. So we're just gonna give our, our give ourselves our own categories yeah, yeah. Um, and welcome Luke back into the fold. Um, and so, uh, Patrick, you finished us off. Why don't you just pick us back yeah, up? Absolutely. Let's talk about. We're on the movie train. Let's keep it going. Another film. So, um, Andrew, this is a movie we did see together. Luke, sorry. Um, but That's we fine. got the advanced screening to go see Mission Impossible Fallout. Now, this won't matter when this episode comes out because it will have advanced already been out for the weekend. screening? What does that mean? It means... You got to see it before other saw people it saw it. 24 <laughs> hours Why? before. Uh, so, Alamo, if you're part of their Victory Rewards program, I think de- depending on what your... Um, Tier. Well, and you set your like uh, your closest theater, like your preferred theater... When those screenings happen at those preferred theaters, they'll just randomly invite a group of people to them. And so oh, that's cool. I got an invite for it a few weeks ago. So bought up four tickets and then we went and saw the film. Nice. <laughs> we each have to uh, buy two seats. Right. They require it. Um, but we went and saw the film. So we got to see it the, the day before it actually released. And um, it's because of all the butt chugging. Uh. <laughs> so uh, even though this is my cat, well, I'll give you the synopsis first. So the idea is that uh, we're joined again with uh, Ethan Hunt and uh, yet again, the world, you know, the world peace is at stake and him and his team have to go and track down uh, weapons that have fallen into the wrong hands. They have to do the seemingly impossible. The seemingly impossible. And yep. uh, but in this film, we're also reintroduced to some characters we've met earlier in the franchise uh, on kind of both sides of the fence. So um, this film, I, I'm trying to I want to get y'all's perspective on it, specifically, Andrew, since Luke hasn't seen it. Your perspective is worthless. Yeah. I want to get <laughs> your perspective on this. But this film tries to deal a bit more with um, the the uh, never ending optimism, if you can put it that way of Tom Cruise's character in just, he can handle any situation and it try it tries to spin the entire film, uh, balancing that against just reality. And I think that's the line you end up walking is, is this reality between this per this perfect outcome that Ethan Hunt believes he can achieve and just the reality of the, the people and the things in play and how much of an effect can one man have. 
And uh, and that's the the rope you end up walking for the you know two and a half hour runtime. So is is this the supposed final <laughs> of Mission Impossible? This it's the final Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise. Right. Okay. So, so that makes sense. Yeah. So um so it, it attempts to be a bit more of a uh, you know a deep dive into the individual characters, as maybe opposed to some of the other films. Although, not for lack of action though <laughs> so although <laughs> i'm not sure you'd be able to tell it with the amount of stunts and explosion and actions and all that kind of stuff so uh, i'll do a quick rating on the film and we're not going to go into any, any spoilers this is a brand new film no, no, no. um and so you should go see it um especially if you're a fan of the franchise uh i enjoyed the film i i think that for a single watch for a first watch it's probably a pretty solid uh eight or, or even a nine from me for an action film I don't think, for me personally, it has hardly any rewatchability. And so over time, this number is going to diminish. And the reality is I'm probably going to feel more at home around a seven for the film. Uh, but on the first watch, it was a really enjoyable first watch. I think Henry, you know, Cavill, Cavill, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, I, I think his character was great. I think the dynamic between him and Tom Cruise uh, was played very well. And... Um, and certainly those with um, Sean Harris, who plays Solomon Lane, uh, the three of them in particular, uh, loved their chemistry on screen. Uh, I just don't know that it's going to hold up for me over time. So, uh, Andrew, your general feelings of the film? Yeah. So um, the word that you said, I don't know that I fully agree, but I think I can, I think I can understand and get on board with the general idea of what you were saying. Uh, but the word you said, outcome, I think is what, I kind of keyed in on this movie is about outcomes and resolve. Um, and it's a callback to several of the other films, right? Uh, it reintroduces characters that you've not seen maybe in the last couple films, but you would recognize from the third film or, you know, whatever. Um, and for me, since I don't, I, I'm not invested in this, this franchise. I've seen all of them, but I couldn't tell you all the, I didn't go back and rewatch all five leading up to this. Right. Um, that just didn't, that didn't, I didn't resonate with that sure. as much, but the whole movie deals with the idea of resolve and he does want things to resolve well for everybody, for the most possible people, even at times to the detriment of himself and his own body. Right. Um, he did more action. He, he did more stunts. And he, obviously everyone knows Tom Cruise does his own stunts because he's a, a freaking... Scientologist. Uh, I don't know. They all do their own stunts. <laughs> Every Scientologist does their own stunts. <laughs> he, um, he, he does all his own stunts. This is, uh, this has, this is top the charts at the most uh, stunts performed in a Mission Impossible single film um, f with five. He did five major, major stunts. At the end of our screening, what was kind of cool about it is they did like this 10-minute behind-the-scenes deal, and they broke down each of the five stunts from behind the scenes. And it's truly – like I'm not like – I'm not on the Tom Cruise bandwagon, right? He's not, he's not a god to me. Um, but this dude is committed. He is incredibly talented. He's He's incredibly resourceful. He is godlike. I right? mean, he – I guess the, the guy yeah. just I, – I think about it in terms of – it's almost like fan service, like this idea that he he wants to bring the absolute best thing to the screen, the best thing to the fans, yeah. even if he's the one that has to lay it all on the line every well, time. Well, that's that's what we gathered from the from the the behind the scenes stuff is that he he there were multiple times where the safety, like this, the safety components weren't functioning. And he's like, well, we got to get it. And he just throws on this, on the jumps on the non safety bike and just starts riding in oncoming traffic because he's like, we got to get the scene. I mean, this, the movie can't be what it is, what it's supposed to be without this scene. So I just got to do it. And like, I really can commend and respect that, that kind of approach to, you know, your craft or to the thing that you're, you know, you're putting into the world. So from that perspective, bravo. The other, flip side of that, he's showing his age a little bit. He's not, he's not a six pack Tom Cruise right now in this one. You know, he's, he looks what he's like 85, his right? Jawline and half his jawline has softened. Animatronic. Like, right. He's, he's got more softened features and, and various things. He's not, uh, you know. 
and that's fine. I'm yeah. not saying that's a bad thing, but you, this is the first film where I've really seen. Okay, he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's not a spring chicken. He's now he's still doing all of his own yeah. stuff. So well, he good, broke good for him. he broke an ankle, right? On there's a oh, shot. He like shattered this, his ankle. In a, yeah, in the trailer, you can see it in the trailer. He jumps from a building to another building and shatters his ankle on the so, landing. So let me break that down. So on the back, the back end of that, in the in the the extra stuff that they showed us, they showed that scene. So in that scene, obviously you've seen it in the commercials. Right. You know where it is if you know what you're looking for. Um, in the movie, they didn't show it from that angle. Mm. They showed it from a top-down angle, and they they doctored his foot so you don't see the actual snap. So like gotcha. in the film, you would never know it happened. Right, but they right. showed us like the the raw footage in the in the post-credit stuff. And the dude, like, it snaps all the yeah. way back yeah. and goes limp. And what we see on the tail end of that is him crawling up the the building. And he, this is him talking. He's like, I knew we weren't going to get another shot at this as soon as it snapped. And so I had to finish the scene because I knew we weren't going to come back to this. Wow. And so what you see in the movie where he hobbles away after the jump is actually him hobbling away with a shattered yep. ankle. Wow. Yep. Like, that's crazy and very commendable. Um, but yeah, I think I would rate the movie around an eight. It was a very fun action movie. The the story components, I wasn't as drawn in because I'm not as invested. So I didn't care as much what happened to some of the people. Um, Evil Dwight Schrute. But as far as the action is like, it's, I mean, it's on yeah, point. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The, the, the action is is great. The, the stunts are insane, I think, especially. Especially if you know that it's not CG. Yeah. Especially like knowing when you, the Halo when you jump was actually a Halo jump or something. He actually Halo jumps out of the... It's the first Halo jump performed in a, a, a film by the actual actor. Yeah. Um, he actually free falls from a, a helicopter onto the payload of the helicopter. He they thought that, that flies they, he had helicopter. died. He flies a helicopter. Like So these things, it's not like he's he's not green-screened into anything that you're seeing. When you realize that, it definitely amps up the action. You know, I the, think the that's action. probably more of a takeaway f- for me is that anyone – like if you're watching this film, you have to understand that there are not there, – there won't be another Tom Cruise. Uh, just that combination of the, the acting skill and then the physical ability um, and, and – just all that put together, it's just so unlikely that we will ever see a Tom Cruise again. And, and I'm not sure that I don't think I will in my lifetime. I think that's more of a takeaway in watching the film is just it, enjoy it that that someone is willing to put themselves out there uh, to that degree just so you can spend 11 bucks and be happy with the 11 bucks you spent. I mean, that's that's yeah. a that's sure. a pretty crazy thought. So um, anyway, the the movie is if, if you like that style movie, if, if you get into the Mission Impossible and like the Bond films and, um, you know what? It, yeah, go see the film. You're going to love the film. It's a great film. Um, everybody else that's seeing it loves it. I, I would be surprised if you didn't have a have a good experience. So, um, again, I don't know that it has a rewatchability for me. Um, but I, I still enjoyed the film. And I think, honestly, I think the storyline, even though it was what you could expect as far as the bait and switch on the bait and switch on the bait and switch, I actually think somehow it remained a bit more logical than some of the previous films. And so sure. I, I wasn't really turned off by any parts of the storyline. So uh, I think the one thing I did walk away with that I learned and was really impressed with Tom Cruise wrote, directed, produced, and acted every single part in the film. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Regular and nutty there's no professor. Reason, there's over no here. reason. There's no reason to check out that. I mean, that's just truth. Yep. Yeah, Hen- Henry uh, Cavill is actually Tom Cruise. Well, he's playing Henry Cavill. Right. He's not in like real life. Henry Cavill is a person. Yeah. So mustache anyway. Superman. Yeah. Mustache man. I actually, I think the mustache works really well on him. Sure. Hey, whoever edited Not the trailer Superman, together, no. great job with all the misdirection. Absolutely. Nothing right, in stop, the trailer stop. is okay. Yeah, it's <sighs> essentially like the Nutty Professor. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. I literally, like, multiple times in the movie, I just thought to myself, like, man, trailer guy, you did it. You got me. <laughs> 
But not like in a bad way. Not like no, in a, you, you didn't know what to expect from the film. Not like a cinema score type, oh, this should get a D minus because I didn't know what to expect. In like a thank you for making this film refreshing even after having seen the trailers. Yeah, sure. yeah it's yeah. good job trailer editing. I'm happy for it. So, all right. I, I'm actually really, I'm the way that trailers are being edited right now is definitely they're not giving away everything like they had sure. been for several years prior the last year or so i feel like they've been getting a lot better with the exception of sorry to bother you like that was like <laughs> oh i really want to see that movie and then you made me go see the movie and then now i'm like why did i see that movie <laughs> all right andrew go ahead and keep talking what what are you talking about okay so uh last week or two weeks ago i talked about rise of the teenage mutant ninja turtles i'm gonna talk about it again but this time I'm going to know what I'm talking about because they debuted the first episode during Comic-Con. Um, they, they posted it live uh, to Nickelodeon. They, they aired it. And at the end of that episode, they um, said, stick around for, you know, never before seen, whatever, whatever. And where they um, promoted that the first five episodes are now available on Nickelodeon.com. So the show doesn't uh, technically air until September, but you can watch the first five episodes now um, to get your, to whet your appetite a little bit. So I'm going to do a quick rundown. I've talked about the look of them, so I'm not going to dive too heavy into the look of them. I'm going to talk more about the show um, as a review of the show. So um, if you aren't aware, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is the newest rendition of the Turtles. We have gone back to a 2D animation format um, back from like the 2000 three era um we've gone back to the 2d and uh it is created by andy serino Sur- i'm gonna always get this wrong andy Suriano and ant ward so they're co uh they're co-creators for this deal um i believe the main artwork and stuff was done by andy uh Suriano. but uh their, their look and feel is very vibrant, very fun, totally different than what you would expect from the from the Turtles before. And if you're a lifelong Turtle fan, you may have issues with it. I've talked about that on the show before, too, so I'm not going to dive into yourself. that. The show is very, very um, fun. So the, at first, I mean, above all else, the show is intended to be funny. Um, so the difference with this one is they the, the turtles uh, stumble into these mystic powers. So where we kind of pick up with the turtles is early in their training. They're not quite they're not quite um, masters of the arts, um, and to the point where like Splinter, who's a mole rat now, so Splinter, this little kind of chubby. Uh, squinted eyed i know that sounds really bad but his eyes are super like squinty um squinted eyed uh mole rat is like just bagging on them the whole time (laughs) like he's just making fun of how they aren't good um but they they very early on in this first episode their 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 regular weapons get broken um by this new uh this new kind of siege that's happening in the city and um, they're forced to, uh, to get new weapons when they stumble across this mystic world, uh, this mystic land that's kind of below the streets of New York city, um, unbeknownst to the normal people. Um, they maintain or they obtain access to this, this mystic area and they get these new mystic weapons and they are discovering them in the first two, three episodes, um, they're discovering what they can actually do with these weapons and they're incredibly powerful. Um, but first and foremost, it's a comedy. It's an action show, high, high, uh, octane action throughout the whole thing. Very bright, very vibrant. The writing I think is like on point. I think it's very, very witty and funny. And like, uh, the, the humor is very quick and snappy. Um, there, there's a new dynamic in the show, which I've talked about before, but, but Raphael is the assumed leader. He's also two times the size of the other turtles cause he's a snapping turtle and each turtle has its own species. Um, and, uh, so he's the assumed leader, which is a different dynamic. Leonardo's a lot funnier and he kind of plays the, he kind of plays the, uh, um, like the jock who also wants to be like the class clown, like that mm. kind of deal. But then ultimately, Michelangelo is still the class clown, you know, like the nerdy guy who's, you know, Um, but let me just kind of run through some of the uh, the the voice talents for the show, because I think it's great. Josh Brenner from uh, um, 
Silicon Valley. He plays uh, Big Head mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley. Baghetti. He's Donnie. What? Yeah, Baghetti. Yeah. Um, he plays Donnie. And nice. it's like perfect. Like, it just, it's perfect. Like it just makes total sense. Brandon Michael Smith plays Mikey. Um, Omar Benson Miller plays Raph. So you would know him from several things. But if you watch the show Ballers, he's like the lovable, gentle giant guy in the show Ballers. Nice. Um, ben Schwartz plays Leo, which is awesome. Yeah. Like Ben Schwartz is, is great. He's super, super fun. Um, and then you have Eric, uh, Bowza as splinter. And then who plays April O'Neil? Her, her name is, uh, Kat Graham. So here's, what's really interesting. So April O'Neil in this version is, uh, African-American. And when you look at the voice talents, there is only one white guy and that's Donnie. Every other, uh, every other, there's three, uh, there are three black actors for the five, for the six main characters. And, uh, Ben Schwartz, I guess he's maybe a kind of a white guy. I'm not sure what his ethnicity is, but I think that's a really, really interesting dynamic when you consider where the turtle started as, you know, right. it was for white dudes, right. And, uh, and, and white actors. Um, and so this is a totally different shift. So it has a totally different, uh, dynamic to it. And the main bad guy, uh, his name is Baron, uh, Draxum and he's a, um, a, a, a yokai, which is a, like a Japanese ghost. Right okay. is kind of his whatever, and he is voiced by none other than. John Cena, everybody. <laughs> That's the callback, Patrick, that I was talking about. Um, John Cena does the voice of Baron Draxum. I hope that came through. Yeah. Like, I had that no, all. No, kind John Cena okay. is in the uh, movie Good. Blockers. He is also in the movie Blockers. That is correct. Yeah. He also butt chugs. He doesn't butt chug in the, the rise of the TMNT. You don't know that. Um, he could only, be doing that the every episode. episode. He could be doing that the entire time. That may be how, that's that's where how he, gets he hones his, power. his. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the show, I would bottom. give the show a, uh, a 9 out of 10. Absolutely. Go. If you're a fan of the Ninja Turtles, even if you're nervous about the new, the new style and maybe you're not on board with it. Go to Nickelodeon.com, watch the first few episodes. I'm sold. I, they I'm, don't all I'm ready have a to, snaggle tooth, do they? The turtle... They don't all have a snaggle tooth. You, you, your drawing, yeah. it's got like one crazy just like... Yeah, so Raphael has a snaggle tooth because he's a, he's a snapping turtle. So he's got that I one kind see. of sharp snaggle tooth, right? Um, also, I'm holding up the, uh, the first issue, issue zero, so it's kind of before the series actually runs. Um, IDW, on the day that they aired the Nickelodeon show released issue zero of uh, rise of the TMNT. So I've read the first issue um, and uh, I've watched the show. It is so much fun. Go watch it. Enjoy yourself. It's 22 minutes. Worst case scenario. You don't like it. It's, it's still 22 minutes where I think you'll laugh and uh, you'll appreciate the new art and the new approach to the, to the show. Um, And if nothing else, you get to see uh, John Cena, um, be a cartoon character so nice um all right luke take us to uh the end of the train okay uh so i'm going to talk about a game that i've been playing so you guys know i like deck building games right and so it's like clank and dominion uh things where you draft cards and you build a deck that you keep shuffling as you play cards and by the end of the game you have a big deck of cards to play uh, well, this game, Eminent Domain, is the same thing. It is uh, it's space themed. The idea is that you are con- uh, colonizing planets uh, and and taking planets over to gain resources. Um, planets give you victory points. The most victory points at the end of the game wins. That's how you play. Um, but it's cool. So in in the game, there's a little bit of a different mechanic as far as a deck builder where um, your cards do double duty. So you normally you play a card, whatever the effect is, it happens, and then you move on, so on and so forth. Um, this game, every card can do two different things depending on when you play it. So uh, there's a, the, a board that has all the common cards that everybody drafts from, mm-hmm. and these are all the same cards uh, uh, throughout the game. There are extra technology cards that you can get uh, as you research things. But generally, you're just pulling from these five 
cards, which are survey cards, uh, uh, produce trade, research, uh, war, um, and colonize. And what you're doing is just uh, doing each of those actions. So on your turn, you have an action phase where you, you play one of those cards and you do the first thing it says on the card. It might be um, colonize a planet or it would be produce a resource or um, draw two cards. And then after that, you draw from the main deck of where you draft your cards at and you pick the roll phase. So um, the survey card, for example, is as an action, you can draw two cards, but as a roll, you can look at um, a certain amount of planets and then draft a planet. And so um, what you do is every, uh, every survey card has a symbol on it. It's like a little um, uh, radar symbol that looks like I'll show you guys so you guys can see what I'm talking about. It has a little radar symbol mm -hmm. here. Um, and so it says, look at uh, radar symbol, minus one planet cards, keep one. Um, and, and that's how you gain planets to colonize. Now, the cool thing is the next player can choose to do the same thing and their, their follow it's called following they can look at um, one less than you. So you could, if if I play a survey card, Andrew th then could also look at planets and add planets to his hand, provided he had survey cards in his hand waiting for his turn to come around. And then Patrick could either do the same thing or pass and draw an extra card for when his turn comes up. And so it's, it's a little different than no a normal deck builder because you can actually do actions on other players' turns. And so you just go around and you do that. You gain resources, gain victory points. Uh, it has uh, cool little components. It has like these wooden tokens that represent the resources that you can put on um, the different planets that produce those resources. And it has these little plastic spaceship uh, that you can grab for signaling Does how much. Does look like the uh, bat? The, it, the bat wing. It does kind of look like the bat wing. And then there's like a little tiny one. And then there's bigger ones. That's um, the bat boat. And this is, what <laughs> is this? The bat ship? That's, that's the, uh, that's the, that's a bigger bat wing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's weird. There's like a bunch of different sizes, but they're all the same power. It doesn't really matter what, which one you pick. Hmm. Um, but it's, it's a interesting take on a deck builder because it's just a little bit more than just drafting cards and playing cards. Like how clank has an actual, a board that goes with it. Um, you know, the, the most famous deck builder is probably dominion and it's all just cards. It's just right. drawing cards, playing cards. Uh, it's cool to see some deck builders that have a different mechanic and different pieces to kind of keep you more engaged. Um, it's plays four players. It's, a pretty quick game. It's about 45 minutes and uh, it's really easy to learn. Um, it's a little different because it has the, the follow mechanic. Um, but once you get a hang of it, it's, it's really simple and uh, really good. So that's it. It's uh, it's available everywhere. Your local game store, Amazon, eBay, whatever you can find it. Um, but they have another M domains. Yeah, the Eminent Domain, they have a world, uh, like, they've created Eminent Domain, they've created this whole, like, uh, story and theme around it, and there's another game called Battle Cruisers that's set in the same world, and that's more of, like, a ship-to-ship -ship combat kind of game, um, but it's cool. It's, uh, it's by TMG Games. I like it. It's really good, so that's it for me. I like deck-building okay, games, but they always end... Like two rounds too soon. Like right when I'm getting excited. because right. you always lose them. Right one, yeah, <laughs> once you get your engine started, basically is when it, it ends. And that's kind of the nature of most uh, deck builders is, you know, by the time somebody gets it going, somebody got it just a little bit quicker and ends it. Yeah. Yeah, if you're doing it right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, man, I you were saying that and it, it triggered like three other things that I thought about. 
We'll just have to wait and talk about them next week. Um, But uh, that's going to be it for this episode. If you are in the Portland area, we are going to be at Pop-Up Crop in just about two and a half weeks. Um, There will be more information about our meetup. Um, So stay tuned to our social media platforms or to our Discord channel for more information about that. But if you're in the Portland area and you're not already going to Pop-Up Crop, go to it. Yeah. It's cool. It doesn't cost very much money. You're going to have a lot of exposure to a lot of really talented, cool people. Um, and we'll be there. We'll be podcasting from there. Yeah. Um, and if you're in the Portland area and you aren't able to make it out to the conference, the one-day conference, um, come out and hang out with us and, uh, and and we'll have a good time. We are super excited to be going out there, courtesy of Tranter Gray. Yeah. They are super talented production team who does really great videos, um, multi-Emmy award winning. Um, I found that out yeah. in the uh, in the, the research process. So go look them up. They're just at trantergray.com, gray with an E, uh, .com, and, uh, and see what they're doing and support what they're doing. But they're sending us out there, so we're going to be doing all the hot seats yeah. um, brought to you by Tranter Gray. It's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah. Don't miss out. Pop-up crop. Uh, we'll see you very, very soon, Portland. Other than that, you can catch us on our website where you can find show notes and links to all the stuff we just talked about, mf1podcast.com. There's an archive there with a whole bunch of other really cool stuff. Go to shop.mf1podcast.com. Like subscribe share follow uh rate review all of those things are super helpful don't cost you any money um super helpful to us um and share just tell people that you that you like it um that's good for us um but uh other than that you can find us at social media at m of one podcast all the different platforms we're there but for now we're gonna get out of this episode i'm andrew i'm patrick and i'm luke peace out (laughs) hold on to your butts (laughs) Oh, <laughs> oh,